for like a real morning show. We've got bumpers, we've got intros, Breakfast Club PT in the morning, we've got intro music. Uh, I love that on the bacon on that picture. I just saw me. I, we were having this discussion this morning. My kid's teacher told him bacon was unhealthy. I go opposite everything my teachers are trying to teach my kids. <laughs> I'm like, who cares? You don't need, need to know how to postulate that. Don't worry about it. Milk doesn't give you stronger bones. Exercise is important for brain health. Like we just, we don't see eye to eye, my teachers and myself. Your kids' teachers? Do you have conversation? Like, are you involved in that? Like, we're we're more involved. Yeah, we, we we're part of boosters. We do a lot of coaching. We're at the school three and four times a day. This is an elementary school, not right. my not the high school. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we. But I mean, it is what it is, right? I love teachers. I appreciate teachers. I don't want to bash them, but there's a certain personality type that's drawn to elementary school teaching positions, <laughs> and it tends to be opposite of my personality type. But my kids need both personality types in their life, so I'm so okay with it. You're not going to retire and become a elementary school. teacher? I should if I really should, because kids need a different perspective. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, good morning. I, I just want to, I'll, I'll show you what I've got in the background. My shot. I, I, I don't travel light. These, <laughs> these are my, these are my suitcases and none of, none, none of those are clothing. Everything. Those are just hair products. Those are just, yeah, that's just hair products. Although someone did ask me the other day if I colored my hair and I was like, no, but thank you. <laughs> uh, because we're, I'm, we're, we're doing this on Tuesday. Usually we do it on Thursdays. I'm headed to our national conference and, um, I was going to drive, but now I might take a snowmobile because we're getting some snow. But apparently not as bad as we originally thought, I guess, is the deal. It's not looking as bad. Although right now outside my house, we've got about a foot of snow. But it's light and fluffy, so I think we're going to be fine. Uh, Dave, Dave, how is it where you are? Yeah, how is it where you are? You're in the city. They're fine. Not not bad. It's like maybe a dusting, like, like an inch or so. Really? Not That's so wild. We're 70 miles apart, and I've got a foot of snow on my back deck right now. Wow. But you're, you know, you're, you're somewhat upstate, right? So you're close to the mountains. It makes depends on who you ask where upstate this is a big thing in New York, Tony. You wouldn't really, it's where does upstate New York start? And to people from the city, it starts where the Bronx ends and Westchester, New York begins. And to people from actual upstate, it's like, I mean, we touch Canada, you know what I mean? Like we touch Canada, we touch Vermont. Some people don't understand that, but uh, the topic of discussion today was this, Tony, first of all, what do you think about my YouTube thumbnail design? Getting it's better? getting there. I love it. So I sit down and this is like, this is something I blew off when I first started like doing stuff on YouTube seriously, which really was only like six to eight months ago. And the goal really is now, or my primary goal is like touch an emotion, right? So like this guy is locked in and that is sort of the topic that we're going to discuss today. We're taking a topic and we're going to give people the option. If they want to write in comments, we can do phone calls today, but it'll have to be on speakerphone because my equipment is, uh, is packed up in the boxes behind me. But you can drop in questions or comments, and you can do so anonymously. So I have no idea who we're talking about today. Um, but how do we want to set this, this sort of question up for this person so they can get some advice without anybody knowing who they are? Yeah, so I, you know, we all get a lot of inbound, and this is something that I dealt with as a practice owner. Uh, so somebody reaches out to me, uh, they're in this kind of life phase. So let me lay the background. And then I, I specifically said, reach out to Dave Kittle, reach out to some others because, you know, let's see what their perspectives are. And then I was like, Hey, I'm talking to Dave tomorrow. Let me share it myself. Um, so here's the deal. This person has been a private practice owner for several years. They've built a relatively successful practice. And I say relatively successful because we'll talk numbers. I don't know their numbers, but I know they're not at the level that they need to be to really sell to a larger like private equity or anything like that. And that was my problem. So I'm going to kind of bring in some of my case history, real life, real numbers, and then we'll, we'll talk about this situation. So he's going through a life change, starting a family, growing a family, I should say. And this person is like, I can't deal with the stress. There's too many ups and downs. I don't know if I'm going to make payroll. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, in the next year, three years, five years, new baby coming, an existing child already, like my wife. I, I just, it's too much for me to handle. I want to exit. I want to get out of this. I need something more stable. I want to be able to focus on my family. I want to set my priorities a little different. 
And I was in exactly the same boat, you know, when I started the physical therapy practice 2002 officially, but really 2000, 2001, um, I was single. I was living in my mom's basement. I had no car payments, no mortgage, like no family, no responsibilities. I could do anything I wanted to do, screw up anything I wanted to mess up. And I was totally fine. Now, fast forward, um, I had gotten married. We wanted to start a family. We knew we were going to change priorities from growing the business to being with our kids. And both my wife and I, that was our chief priority. We didn't want to be in the clinic from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. when we had a small family starting. So we looked at selling and, and there was inbound coming. Somebody like Dave would reach out to me and be like, hey, you know, you ever think about selling? But we didn't have the revenue. We definitely didn't have the profit. At least at that time, we had to be at like two and a half million to five million EBITDA before anybody would even consider us on a larger scale. We weren't. We were like a million, million and a half in revenue. There was no way anybody was going to buy us. So then I was like, all right, so I can't go private equity or, or that route. What are my other options? Obviously, I could just close it. But I didn't want to do that. We had five clinic locations. We were in Florida and Ohio. I had contracts with third-party payers that nobody else was able to get because the contracts had been shut down. So I'm like, well, I've got value here. I could either look internally or I could look at potentially a therapist who wants to get started, wants to go into ownership. They don't own already, but they're, they're looking to buy my concern with that is they don't have the experience of being a business owner. Right. When a therapist has been a therapist and they're good at being a therapist to step into a big commitment of buying and owning a business, you haven't developed those skills. You haven't done the reps. And so I would feel just so guilty selling a practice to a therapist who has no experience running a practice, especially a practice like ours that was big enough that it would be an expensive purchase, but didn't have the infrastructure like a Fortune 500 company. You know, so we went the route of we had a great team. They had been running the business themselves in Florida while we were in Ohio already. They knew all the warts. They knew all the bumps. They knew all the skeletons in the closet. They knew exactly what they were getting into. And so you guys have heard me say it before. We came to a um, three times multiple on net profit. Uh, I was faced with the decision that I needed to get out. If I didn't sell to these guys, which I mean, I'm so happy I did, that they were just going to leave and do their own thing anyway. And then I'd have to find new staff and, and more time commitment. So we came to an agreement. They had financial backing. They bought me out. They have full ownership. They exploded the profits. They exploded the growth. They opened three new practices or practice locations, then grew to seven, I think, right now. Um, so it was amazing. It was amazing for all of us. But I do have some creative ideas for a therapist like the one who reached out to me. He does have two working physical therapists. He has a working physical therapist assistant, and he has an administrative person and a practice manager. So he does have some structure. He does have something that actually could sustain and go on its own. Um, all of that being said, Dave, this is more in your world. What are you thinking? Well, so right off the bat, I, I don't know if things have changed, but uh, there are definitely more buyers that are okay with acquiring or partnering with practices that are, you know, even a million in revenue and sometimes even less. Like I've, I've heard of, um, I, this guy, Donnie Orenji, I had on my show with Main yeah. Street Therapy Partners and they have like 14 or something locations. And he was saying like, yeah, we're interested in practices that are doing like, you know, 500 to 750 K in revenue. So even smaller, maybe, you know, like two therapists or three or two and a half or something like that. So um, hold on a second. So, so don't go. So this is like, great. Cause I don't know anything about this. Why now is this a shift? Why now is this like an option now that the, the 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 revenue can be lower and people are still interested? I mean, it maybe it depends on what's out there and what's available. It yeah. depends on market, like the market and deal flow. Um, before, like let's say, I mean, there's always been consolidation. There there always is con consolidation in every market. Every market is like you know fragmented. All these service based businesses, uh, and so there's been more of the buyers buying up practices. I mean, it's been happening for 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, it's been happening forever. 
Um, so now maybe it's just like there's less of the chains that have three, five, seven, ten locations, but there's more of the onesies, more of the like the smaller locations. Got it. All right. So so obviously, let's go through the different ways because the the title of the episode, the thing we sort of teased was creative ways. So you could sell to someone. You can sell a big company. Tony, you talked about handing over the reins or selling internally to people who sort of already were under the hood already. What are the other different ways? Because if you look at a situation for one, there's only one solution. I think you're really myopic. I think right, right off the bat, there's a bunch of different ways. And then Dave brings in, there are companies that are willing to buy uh, solo practices that have half a million dollars in revenue. So you, there, there are options. What are the different ways? What are the different creative things that people can think about? Something that I've been thinking more about is not selling, right? We we see this wave that's coming. So all the baby boomers and all the guys like me, we're getting to the point where we've built these businesses. We're not going to keep running these businesses. We're primary operators. In fact, another conversation we should have. I sat down this weekend. I talked to two other business owners, way bigger businesses than mine, but one was a plumber and one was in the printing business. Um, and it's so fascinating because it's exactly the same thing. Their husbands, their dads, they don't have kids that are going to take over their business. Their business is in the mi multiple millions, but still not really an acquisition target for anybody bigger. Right. And so they're like, I don't know, this, this business is spitting out tons of cash. We have great lifestyles, but what's going to happen when I hit 60, 70, 80, and I don't want to oh, be the primary that. operator. Right. So it's a, it's a big issue across all industry, not just PT. Um, honestly, I, I looked at this situation and I said, you know what? I wonder if you would go get a job, whether it's a clinical or non-clinical job, but you have this business. It sounds totally bizarre. You have this business, you go get a job, you get a job at 80 to 120,000 a year. You get a 40 hour work week, you get benefits, you get vacation, you get all of the luxuries that a W2 an employee gets. But what that, and you don't close your business. You just let it continue to operate. Like I know for myself, I will put a business on the back burner. Even if it's not making money, even if it's losing a little bit of money, I'll just park it somewhere, let it continue to operate. Because I know at some point one day, I might come back to it. I might do something with it. I don't need to sell it because if I sell it, I'm not going to get anything for it. I don't need to shut it down because it's doing okay. It's not doing great enough that I want it to be my primary focus, but it's also not doing bad enough that it has no future value. And so for this individual, I feel like they're already looking at get a job because I said, well, what happens if you do sell it? They're like, well, I'll get a job, something more stable, all the things that I just said. Right. And I was like, what if you just did that and didn't do anything with the business? Just let your staff keep running it, let it continue to live, put it on life support while you're focused on family and while you're focused on a stable income and doing the other stuff. What do you guys think about something like that? It doesn't make sense. I don't know if something's not adding up, but you were saying, I, I know we're not mentioning who it is. I don't even know who it is, but you yeah. said a rural, a rural clinic somewhere in the US and they have, you know, two PTs themselves. The, the owner is a third PT and then there's a PTA, correct? Correct. And then office people. And, and then office and admin staff. So um, I don't know, like, I guess they're all in network contracts and they're not doing well or they're not marketing well. I, it doesn't make sense as to why this individual is not a float. It feels like bar rescue. Like Dave's like sniffing. He's like some, he's like, there, there's, it's people product process, right? He's like, one of these things is not working right. Right. And you got to figure out what it is. That's what a stress test is. I can tell you, I feel like I've been in his exact situation. Right. So my best thing is I'll share my experience. My experience is I would be afloat like right now. You know, I'm not the primary person in the clinic. My clinic is running right now. I'm going to leave here at 930. I'm going to go do, I think I've got four or five evaluations today, a uh, handful of evaluations tomorrow. Like I'll float in, I'll do those evals, I'll get back out. But it's like, I'm not focused on the business enough to continue to grow it. I'm not focused on the business enough to really care about it that much, be passionate about it that much. It's, it's just there. It's just, again, on life support. Uh, so because of that, I've got other priorities. I'm focused on other things. This individual might be focused on family. But the idea is 
I think that's that's where this person probably is. So if you're going to look at that from Marcus Lemona's people product process, it's a people thing. He this was a great idea four years ago, but his life changed or her yeah. life changed. Like that is valid and not a bad. That is not a bad thing. Yeah. So um, for for this practice owner, he wants to focus on. He's got the second child coming. Uh, he wants to focus more on family. I don't think he should. I mean. I don't think you should necessarily sell. I think maybe right. like you said, talk to your team, maybe someone on the, maybe one of the therapists either can either has money or can get access to capital and buy in, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 something percent of the practice. You'll have to do like an internal evaluation of here's the value of the practice. Maybe you sell some of the equity to your team. Then right. <clears throat> and, and you can maybe give away some, you know, free founders equity and then have them pay for, additional equity or whatever, but then you could spend more time with your family. You can almost kind of do like the Tony Maritato role and kind of float in and out, but not be like, you know, chained and cuffed to the clinic. And then if your staff have some of the equity, they're going to obviously work like a partner, like a founder, co-founder, and they're going to have skin in the game. And typically that would help the practice grow and be more stable. You can coach them a little bit, you know, get them some mentorship and coaching. If you're too busy, then you got to pay for them to get coaching and mentorship by Tony or somebody else, but then have some of your team members have equity in the practice. That'll, I would say, arguably make it a little bit more independent of you. Right. There's a, there's a place that shell sells, uh, like wood sheds and sheds in the backyard and you can buy it straight up outright, or you can, uh, you can rent to own right like so i know dentists were big in this right which is if i'm like a 50 60 year old dentist i'm looking for somebody who's just out of school and you're just going to work for me and then over the years i'm going to sort of dip and you're going to sort of take over but that's it's built into the it's baked into the cake from the start which is like yes you're going to draw a salary and then over time the salary might reduce or maybe it'll stay the same or something but now your equity in this and i can sort of you pull that Homer Simpson gif, right? The Homer Simpson where Homer Simpson's in front of the bush and he just sort of fades back. <laughs> and then the, nobody knows because that person that you brought in was sort of there and he's the new guy. And next thing you know, it's it's that it's that fade in, fade out kind of idea. I mean, that's that's a longer term. This person doesn't feel like they might not necessarily have that. But Tony's saying, look, why, why bury this thing? Why not just park it and do something else and let's see how the thing runs? So um, not to sound condescending, but I do think the listeners who are sitting in this seat right now are thinking, isn't that cute? Dave thinks that my employees want the responsibility of business ownership. Well, I, I'm not saying that. you, you got you to gotta know your team. And there's probably one that has the interest of like maybe learning some operations. Maybe they do some pseudo clinic director roles or whatever. You're right. If they're all clinical and they have no leadership experience or no managerial experience, and they're not talking about, Hey, we got to, you know, work on billable units and we got to work on getting, uh, cancellations lower and arrival rates higher. Like if they're not saying any of that, then yeah, well, they, you yeah. might not even have the right person yeah. on the bus for that. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll tell the, the viewers, um, same thing. So I was in that boat multiple times. I've had multiple team members that I'm like, man, you would be so good. Why don't you just come in 20% equity and then you can, you know, buy it out. Um, we looked at us physical therapies model of limited partnership and how they work their percentages. We've tried multiple models over 22 plus years. And I can tell you that I've had one who actually did it, obviously, uh, the rest of them. Now I've had other people that went on, left me, went on to be owners, but none of those, and they're successful owners, but none of those people who have done that were ever either willing or interested in being an initial like limited partner and then, or partner and then growing out into full ownership. Maybe I didn't present it correctly. I don't know, but the best clinicians, the best team members, the best staff, uh, none of them ever wanted to go that, that direction, you know, and, and partly I don't blame them. I mean, again, most of us go into PT cause we want to help people, not cause we want to run a business. There's a small sliver of us that find passion in actual business ownership and operation. Um, so I think again, for this individual, I said exactly what you said. I was like, look, just, you know, you can owner finance, see if they can come up with 10, 20% that this way they have some skin in the game. But um, I don't think that e anyone on the team wants to do that. 
And I think with the rural status, you know, it's hard to bring in therapists that want to live in that area unless they grew up in that area. And now they want to come back home, which is kind of a possibility, but it's slim to none. Um, so, you know, it's a challenge. So that's where I said, well, if I go out, if I'm in his shoes and I go out and I get an 80 to $120,000 guaranteed income, now my business doesn't have to be profitable anymore. If anything, it could even lose a little money and I'd still be okay because I still have the value of that asset. Right. So that when my kids are in high school, when my kids are older, I can come back to it. And, and that's what I'm doing right now. My two clinic locations, they don't do a fraction of what they should. But I know that one day I can always come back to it. I could always pour gas back on that fire. As long as I keep an ember lit, it doesn't have to be a raging inferno right now. You know, and I can put my time into the other things that I want to do. I so that, that's my advice to this individual, and I'm sure this person's watching, I would seriously consider not shutting it down, not even selling it unless like a unicorn comes along and, and it's a perfect scenario. Instead, I would just let it continue to operate. I would get a full-time job and then I would use that to provide me the lifestyle that I'm looking for. Another different route with this for this would be he go <clears throat> he goes and finds another job. He gets a, <clears throat> not us, we're not brokers or advisors, but you get a broker, advisor, or your lawyer, your accountant, whoever. You get one of those individuals to cold message or send a letter or an email or whatever to USPH, Athletico, uh, ATI, who are the other buyers, wherever, rural, I don't know. Um, uh, those are, you know, Novacare, Select Medical, whatever, like any of those top four or whatever. You get one of your broker, advisor, lawyer, accountant, whatever, to send a cold email, cold letter or whatever to them <clears throat> and say, hey, this is so-and-so at this, you know, this location. Um, we are currently speaking with potential buyers and it's almost like, you know, Hey, we're letting you know, in case you want to throw a bid in and, and right. you know, throw your hat in the ring. That's or, another way to kind of drum up interest Right. at the same, like if you're truly, truly wanting to get out and this is not for you and you have no one to take over, you have no one to buy in. Um, that's another way to kind of get a, almost like you want to have like a blind bidding war and say, hey, we're we're collecting bids over the next two to three or four or whatever weeks. At this date, we're gonna you know look at the the highest bids or the or the I'm sorry, not the highest bid. They'll they'll say we're looking for the best opportunity, which basically means like the the most amount of money or the best you know terms right. or whatever. But they'll say you know we're looking for the best opportunity here, and that's another way to get more interest from potential buyers if there's no way of selling some equity and retaining the practice. It's a blind date, man. You got a uh, what's what like a. Uh... I forget the term. Like there's a Jewish term, like the woman who sets up all the couples in the neighborhood. Like she knows matchmaking. She, matchmaking. matchmaking, but there's like a Jewish term that like the word just sounds like it's like an onomatopoeia. Like the word sounds like the thing, but it's putting the feelers out there. Listen, we're not in panic mode, right? Like we don't need this right now, but Hey, maybe, maybe that little itty bitty practice wasn't on the radar, but that area of the country might've been on the expansion map in a year or three or five. And now it's okay. It's not a cold, I mean, it's not a cold outreach now because that person was on our radar three years ago and they're still, oh, they're still in business. Okay. All right. Got it. Is it, is the word Yentas? Yenta. That that's it. Yeah. The Yenta of the neighborhood. I had to, the I had to it. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what like in eighties and nineties sitcoms have taught me is like all these little like stereotypes. Like that's what it gave me. Like that's why I knew what a Yenta was. I have no idea what eighties, eighties uh, or nineties sitcom brought me that, but that was it. All right, so let's change gears. So, Jimmy, you're heading to Boston. Yeah, heading to Boston. We're doing APTA CSM. Um, I like this conference. Some people don't like conferences, and that's okay. Um, this is the largest gathering of PTs on the planet, which is good. And also, if you don't like it, it's not good. Um, I've been to, I don't know, 11 of these things. I've been to a bunch because I'm a group kind of guy. This is, my, this is my Super Bowl, right, which just happened. And... Um, 18,000 PTs is a lot, but as you, we share YouTube and podcast data, I tell people all the time, if you're not going, it's not a, it's not a deal breaker, right? You're not, you're going to miss something, but not necessarily everything. So if it's for you, it's for you. I would always say like, try it out or a state chapter conference or, you know, the APTA has got a couple different smaller conferences, right? This is the biggest one in the world. I look at this from a purely uh selfish angle right because that's what that's how we look at the world so for me i'm going to do like 25 podcast episodes in three days or 27 podcast episodes in t 
three days. Plus everybody who like some people who walk by, they're like, oh my gosh, do you have 15 minutes? So I do a lot of those, right? Unprepared off the cuff. I started by just showing up at people's um, booths or parties. I would literally walk around with my Pelican case and bring my microphone to parties, take 20 minutes to set up, do the interview, break down and leave. And I would just be the like the roaming gnome. And now I think I've gotten smarter where I stay still and the guests come to me. So I'm lucky enough to pair up with one of my show sponsors, ATI. So I'll be at booth 5022. There's like hundreds of booths. If you've ever, it's Central Park in this thing. So I'm doing the I stand still model and I do a bunch of interviews. I'm also, maybe Tony will like this, is I'm doing as people walk by, if I don't have 15 minutes or maybe they don't have a topic they want to talk about, I'm doing the, I'm just doing 60 second PT episodes and that's the same 12 questions or whatever for every person in 60 seconds. And then I edit up, cut it up, put some music, make it nice and fast. So that's a way for, for, for me to interact with people. So I'm excited. Um, I do stuff with the, I got to give a nod to the foundation for physical therapy research, which is a nonprofit organization that raises money for PT research and then gives money away. So I do a bunch of stuff for them out there. And then a, uh, AOPT, the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy, they're, they're 50 years old. So they're doing their 50th anniversary party and I'm helping them throw a party there. So I'm not going to sleep for three days, but I am packed and we're going to Boston, uh, rain or shine or snow. So I'm headed out there tomorrow. Are you doing all of your podcasts and interviews at that one particular booth you're talking about? Or are you going to be at like different locations just so folks know where to find you? 5022. Yeah. I used to run around like a chicken with my head cut off because I was like, I have to do this and I have to do that. And then I just reversed it and I was like, I'm still, and you come to me and you know who cared? Nobody. Everybody's like, okay. Like I thought I had to do all the things. And then I just was like, this is killing me. And now I just stand still. And you're on the bingo card. I heard. Yeah. So there's a Twitter account called like, it's like at fake PT stats or something. And it's like cute. Like they just put out like funny, you know, like Like one liner stuff, meme stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, 76% of PTs wear a polo shirt and that, that tracks on this live stream. (laughs) That's 33%, but you know, they just throw like random things like that out. I don't even know who runs it. I just interact with them because I think every once in a while they throw out cool stuff. And they put out like a like a big bingo card of you know all the things that are stereotypical or that you should do. And yeah, take a selfie with me was on the bingo card. I would, I mean, I honestly had no idea who runs that account, so I have no idea why I'm on the bingo card. But I'm on the bingo card. Nice. And then aside from you doing the interviews and stuff, what are you? Are you gonna go to any of the the speakers or anything you want to see and engage with? If you looked at my schedule, it looks like someone spilled a box of Crayola crayons on it. So I will go to some. I am presenting too. I'm presenting Thursday, the happy hour session, the last session of the day, Thursday, three to five. In and this is how I'm telling people the name of the room is Carlton. So it's like the Carlton. I'm in the Carlton, <laughs> three to five on Thursday. BYOB. I don't know if you can do that, but no one has said you can't do that. But my presentation is science isn't finished until it's understood. And it's in the section in the Academy of Research, which is essentially like, all right, you spend a year of your life doing research and then it gets published in a journal and you're like, and I'm done. And I'm like, actually, you're not. So I'm going to start my session off by by doing football play by play. And it's going to be the Bunsen burners versus the pseudoscience quacks. And I'm going to do play by play of this fictitious football game. And it's a two-minute drill, just like a game we might have had the other day. And the Bunsen burners, pro science, are charging down the field. All they have to do is score to beat the pseudoscience quacks. And at the 17-yard line, with 12 seconds left, they take a knee. And everybody in the stadium is so confused. What happened? You did. You received the kick. You got the grant. You did the science of the running plays and the, and the pass plays. And you got all the way to the 17. Why'd you take a knee? Because they thought their job was to get published. At the 17-yard line, you get published. And I'm like, but the end zone is about understanding and you're not done yet. That's the bad news. The good news is I'm going to show you 15 different ways for under a hundred bucks to communicate your science. And isn't that the point? So that's kind of why I don't belong in the Academy of Research, but why I'm in the Academy of Research giving a presentation. I love that. I think that is so important. You know, I, I talk to people all the time and, I'm, and they're amazing at what they do. But then I'm like, how do you get people to know about what you do? And they have nothing. They don't get out on social media. They don't record video. They don't do podcasts. They don't do anything. And I'm like, you built this amazing asset and then you don't do anything to push it out there and help people understand what you've done. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to. And I actually asked a couple of researchers who I'm friends with, because in the, 
I was trying to make this like Casey at the bat, right? We've all heard of Casey at the bat, like, you know, like no joy in Mudville. And I don't want to, I didn't want it to be a downer. Originally I had, and I have fake player names and everything. I have formations. I, I didn't want it to be like an interception and then the Bunsen burners lose to the quacks, right? With a, with a pick six or something like that. So we decided taking a knee was more like in line with like you, you had the, why didn't you throw a couple strikes to the end zone? Why didn't you take a shot at it? I think most of the time, scientists or people in research don't feel like that it's not their it's not their area it's not their turf and i'm like it is a hundred percent your turf you're probably the only person who's going to do it the journals i'm not going to knock journals here or anything but their job is to publish stuff and then they just look for the next thing to publish like they are not going to they're not going to run around no one's going to sing your research's praises as accurately as loudly as frequently so you need to understand if you want this to spread you're it um so that's my presentation in a nutshell, you don't even have to come like that's it. But I'm going to give examples, examples, examples. So the last topic for today I wanted to talk about. This is something that popped up on the interwebs radar. And this is Lifetime Fitness. So this is a petition I've got on the stream right now, right? So Lifetime Fitness is, I don't even know how big they are. Do you guys know how big they are? They're, they're just a series. They're a gym, big. right? They're pretty they're big. Pretty large. They're huge. They're a publicly traded company. Okay. I mean, way, way bigger. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at the graphic here, right, they, they're not where I live or anything, but Lifetime Fitness, big company apparently, and they started marketing this logo on the screen, which is DPT, which sounds like the degree a lot of us got, right? DPT, right? But they are calling it dynamic personal training. Now, this is, this is, um, misleading to the public, right? That's what people will say. They're, now, here, here's where you get into some issues. And this is as far as I understand. Call the APTA because they have people who can give you specifics. This is state by state. This is where we live in one country, but we live in 50 different fiefdoms, 50 different states, plus D.C., plus Puerto Rico, where the rules are different, man. Just there's an invisible line somewhere and you cross it. And now you can or can't do that thing you could 10 steps back. So there is like title protection, and these are meant to protect degrees, intellectual property, or the rights to do things. But these vary state to state, and these are very gray. And even if they're not gray, even if it's black and white, you still got to take them to court, and that requires money and time and effort. So my two cents is this. Number one, Lifetime Fitness with a $2.66 billion market cap. So I guess they're kind of a big company, Jimmy. They know exactly what they're doing. This is not an accident. They have 11 D lawyers long before they ever put a DPT on a t-shirt and slap it on a trainer. They know exactly what they're doing. This is not by accident. And they are going to ride this wave as long as it is allowed until someone steps up. And that's why the thing that I put on the screen is great in my opinion, right? It is a petition to stop this thing, right? It's a petition to say, hey, don't do this anymore, which is fine. And I a hundred, I'm gonna look in the camera and the microphone. I 100% support doing this, but now I'm going to go another way. And I want to hear your thoughts. I, don't, I, don't I, I, I know, I know that Tony probably doesn't really care that much about it. I listen, first of all, the, the market cap is interesting. I didn't know it was that big. And then I just had to look up as we're talking, uh, USPH, which is one of the bigger publicly traded physical therapy practice or companies. And that's like 1.45 billion. Wow. I didn't even realize lifetime fitness is even larger than, you know, one of our biggest acquirers that has, you know, 900 plus locations, Novacare Select is probably a little bit bigger. I think they're closer to like a thousand or more locations, but um, yeah, it's going to be tough to change that of a, you know, mammoth of a company. Um, yeah, they got money. They know what they're doing. Um, no, I don't think it's right. I think, you know, I think I, I do like the the response and, and, you know, therapists are signing a petition or whatever. Will that actually work? Of course, Tony's going to chime in here and probably say no. Um, but, you know, we, we just need to be better at the end of the day. We need to be better with like with content, videos, all that, just marketing. Um, you know, that I think is the best way to really, truly fight it on the ground with every practice putting out. I mean, there's amazing practices on Instagram, colleagues of mine all over the country putting out videos and content uh, patient facing, you know, consumer facing content. Uh, I do like the response. I mean, I think the response is better than no response. I think the yes. APA should be doing more or can be doing more or whatever. Uh, I'm curious to hear what exactly Tony's going to say. Yeah, Tony, of, of course. I mean, I, I don't think it matters, but I will say 
there's there's gosh there it seems like there's a shakespeare saying i could bring in here and i don't know what it is but basically you never jimmy you're gonna know this it's something like you never let an opportunity you never miss an opportunity or something like that i would say there's no value in trying to fight lifetime fitness on this I would argue they don't know, they don't care. It doesn't matter. It's three letters. I understand there are state practice acts that protect yeah. those three letters. Um, I, I know there's state practice acts that protect two letters, the P and the T. I don't know about the D in front of it. I go back to, you know, once there are certain things you can trademark, there are certain things you can do, but the reality is the opportunity here isn't in fighting lifetime. Who cares about lifetime? It's in rallying the troops. It's in taking this and getting the profession, getting the base excited to be like, ah, there was a common enemy. We have to fight against this. We have to right. bring ourselves together and we have to do more. Um, I do think there's some value in that, you know? So from a political perspective, I think you could leverage this to get people excited, but to actually fight them, to, to hire attorneys, to worry about that, I don't think any of it matters. Um, so that, that's where I stand. I'm just like the amount of effort again, cause I took heat on this being like, you should be all for this because this is our future. And I'm like, I am, but where are you when this isn't happening? So this is the psychological theory of loss aversion, which is like, I mean, they've studied this in humans and monkeys. Like it, it is apparent that we would rather not lose a dollar than make $2. Right. And I'm paraphrasing there, but you get the idea. It's like I, I have something and now I'm super fired up about not losing it. This is why life insurance, they sell the they use this this uh, opportunity where when this is over and it will be either by a judge or the, like lifetime fitness will just move on and use a different term. It's not going to matter. It's just not like the average person has no idea what P, like we say all the time. They don't know what PT is. Never mind a DPT. They don't know. So why why are we not yelling, or I should say, storytelling when the sun is shining and there isn't a two point six six billion dollar company trying to use our letters that don't to the average person mean nothing? They mean nothing. So tell tell stories. Um, I'm going to use this in my my presentation. Have you guys ever heard of Peso? How many pay two point six billion dollars for Lifetime Fitness? I'd say don't argue over dollars. Argue over pesos. And peso is problem, agitation, solution, outcome. If you're like, I, I'm a small practice owner, I have no idea how to market. If you had one tool, it's those four letters. Problem, do you have a leaky sink? If you don't, I'm not going to pay attention. But if you do, you're like, okay, yeah, or I might. I just bought a house, so I'm paying attention to freaking everything. Problem, do you have a leaky sink? Agitation. Leaking water, you might never know about it, and it could cause water damage that you'll never see, but it'll cost you thousands. That's an agitation. That's salt in the wound. Solution, a $35 uh, plumbing analysis. We'll come in and we'll check all your pipes before winter starts to make sure you don't get any damage. Outcome, and you'll never, ever be, you'll never wake up in the middle of the night wondering if your pipes are burst. Peso, don't fight dollars, use pesos, P-A-S-O. We're worried about lifetime fitness using DPT, but what are we doing to gain people's attention? We're just saying, don't do this. Don't do this. They're not really us. What are we? We are fighting the wrong end of this, this stick. Tony, what was the actual quote? It wasn't Shakespeare. It was Churchill. Yeah. Winston Churchill said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Great. So this, right. this could be one of those opportunities to rally the troops. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, again, I think everybody who's doing it, I have no doubt you're doing it in the spirit of making sure communication is clear. Oh, look at that. There's a there's a, a, a nice little tie over from my, my science communication presentation. This is great. And I would push back and say, yes. And in six months or eight months or 12 months when this is over, what are you going to do about it? What Where is this wave going to ride? Because a lot of people, if you look at this, if you look at this thing, they've raised Money. I'm like, where's this money? No one. And I looked and I couldn't really tell where the money was going on this, but there was like 11 grand or something like that raised. I'm like, I'm guessing lawyers, I guess. I don't know. Or something like that. Yeah. Oh, what is that? What is that like a Kickstarter? I know it's not Kickstarter, but I've never changed. Yeah. Change.org. Huh? So they're asking for money, right? So it's not guaranteed. It's not, it's not requested, but this, I believe was signed out of the, uh, APT. Yeah. APT Colorado is calling on lifetime fitness. 
Yeah, so they're they're, they're using to pay a lawyer to draft a cease and desist letter or what? I don't I, know. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a marketing guy at Lifetime Fitness sitting at his desk. He's probably smoking a cigar and he's sitting like this, going, "Told you it would work. They're going to do our marketing for us." What what if we what if we bring in physicians? Right? Let's just say you know MDs. We know like they're more of the public does know about MD. I think that sure. would be. I think you guys would agree with that. And let's say there was a physical therapy practice or a personal training gym in like Maryland. And the name was like, you know, specialists of MD or MD specialists. And then they would be like, no, no, no. MD means Maryland because we're in Maryland. And then the and the, the AMA, the American Medical Association or whoever comes in and they're like, no, no, you're trying to, you know, misrepresent or whatever. And these physical therapists are trying to look like MD medical doctors or these personal trainers are trying to act like they're doing some, you know, holistic health and wellness, whatever. And, and they're going to say, uh, let's say hypothetically, they have branding like, oh, we're like the future of healthcare, or, you know, there's more right. therapists talking about, you know, training is healthcare and, you know, and, uh, you know, like kettlebells are healthcare. There's all this stuff now, all this right. different stuff. So what would the AMA do? They would come in exactly like this. So maybe it's like the APTA just kind of taking a page out of the AMA's book or the, you know, the, the physician profession. Um, that is definitely, I think that's definitely what they would do in terms of after that and, you know, effectiveness, I don't know, but I, you know, I guess you have to do something, you have to put up something. Um, and I do like Tony's clarification of, yeah, it is a good uh, way to kind of rally the troops and kind of get like the, you know, the belief and, and have like a, uh, like a combined vision. Yeah, I would say great, but what are you going to do later? This is a one percent problem, and we're we're penny wise, pound foolish, in my opinion. Kind of related, but I, I looked this up because it triggered a memory for me. Two thousand twenty-two, California nurse practitioner—I uh, won't mention the name—was fined nearly twenty thousand dollars for illegally presenting herself as a physician, calling herself "quote doctor" on social media with patients according to a February 6th uh, report on Medscape. So there, I mean, there is something out there, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that was again, violation of the state practice act. But look, I mean, how many of us, so this is a nurse practitioner. Uh, DNP is the initials after her name. So, you know, I brought this up multiple times in our professional groups. I'm like, all right, we're going by DPT. I see physical therapists calling themselves doctor using the nomenclature of, of doctor. I understand it's an educational classification. They're not trying to represent medical doctor, but this was a $20,000 fine. I think this would be a case of somebody somewhere wanted to make a point wanted to turn the screw just a little bit to say, Hey, you're starting to tread on our turf. And you know, this, this is what came out of it. Well, do you guys remember this story? No, I, I don't remember the story, but physicians definitely do not like the DNP, the, the <laughs> nurse practitioners that become, you know, and want to be, you know, called doctor. I do know that. Yeah. This, I, this I, is about money. This is everything we just talked about. Doesn't seem like it's related to the first part of the episode. It's all about money. This is about money. This is about you can't do this because if you do this, if you get a little more of the slice of pie, I get less pie. And I'm not down with that. So I fight. I'll send my lawyers versus your lawyers. And do you know who sits back with the biggest cigar in the office? Lawyers. For sure. They win. Yeah. They win. So where do I think this will go? Prediction. I think this little petition will grow and grow. Because it just, it just, that's how it works. It's just going to be around long enough. And people, I'm seeing people find out about this now. And this has been going on for months, right? And they're like, this, we need to rally around this loss aversion. Even when you're aware of it, you're still susceptible to it. And eventually, Lifetime Fitness will move on. And that marketing guy will have been promoted twice, right? And he knew what he was doing was, he knew exactly what he was doing, right or wrong from his point of view. He did something because his job is to get attention. Good, bad, or otherwise, he got it, right? From our point of view, it's bad. From their point of view, it's like, well, it's not illegal until someone says don't do it, right? So I think this will go away in 12 months. How, how about this perspective? Okay. Lifetime fitness over the last, let's say, I don't know when, I don't know when they started using DPT, but let's say in the last three to five years, people at Lifetime Fitness, they go on Instagram, they're looking at all these physical therapists across the country using kettlebells, barbells, saying movement is medicine. And, uh, you know, they're, they're basically like a lot of these physical therapists, 
you know, they want to use, like Tony says, like they want to use therapeutic activity and therex and exercise as treatment, which we know is great. From the lifetime fitness perspective, they might have a scarcity mindset. Hey, look at all these physical therapists kind of coming into our turf. We right. thought physical therapy was like, you know, e-stim and ultrasound and some hands-on treatment and whatever. So maybe they're like, hey, we have some scarcity mindset. We need to show that we are different or better or whatever because these physical therapists are doing all this exercise stuff. And maybe that's going to take away from our market share. What do you guys think of that? Yep. This was discussed uh, in a different topic, but similar the other day, someone tagged me in it. I get tagged in stuff. I'm sure you guys do too, because they want like people to chime in and I'm okay. That's what social media is about. And I, I could find the exact tweet thread that was going on, but the idea was uh, a personal trainer should never be able to prescribe exercise to treat pain. And again, I'm paraphrasing. I don't, that's not a quote, but that was, and I, and I re replied back like, Explain how exercise is proprietary or treating pain is proprietary. Like what we offer is insight, but I think people do get this mindset of this is ours. Again, now we're the lifetime fitness of this situation using what Dave just talked about too, which is scarcity mindset, which goes hand in hand with loss aversion. Well, you can't prescribe an ex prescribe as a medical term. And I'm like, you guys, you got to, I mean, what are we doing here? So they were saying a personal trainer versus a physical therapist could never prescribe it, uh, should never be able to prescribe an exercise to specifically target pain, to which I, I mean, if you want to win one of these arguments on social media, it's just respond with questions. So which exercise ever specifically targets pain? So this is the exact same thing, but now we're sort of looked at like the bad guy in this. We're, we, in my opinion, we become the, you know, lifetime fitness of that situation, in my opinion. So I wonder too, I'm trying to find the numbers. They're out here. Um, it's likely hundreds of millions of dollars. Think about the budget that Lifetime Fitness puts into their marketing campaigns. Think about them paying to plaster DPT everywhere while they're promoting personal training. They're still paying to promote DPT. Now, of course, we know that many consumers who are going to physical therapy want to use their insurance. So even if a consumer thinks, oh, I'm going to go to a lifetime fitness DPT, they get there, they realize I can't use my insurance. They're going to go to the next DPT who takes their insurance. Who's that? That's a physical therapist. You know, when I, and I've mentioned this before, like if I was opening a physical therapy clinic and I didn't have the marketing budget, I would open across the street from a hospital owned clinic because I know that hospital owned clinic would pay for all the marketing would get the consumers there, but then they'd have a three, four, five week wait list. So those consumers who wanted therapy would then go across the street to me where I could get them in the same day. I could take in a walk in appointment. So I would leverage their marketing budget to grow my business when I didn't have the money to do it. I absolutely think I'd be like, Hey, uh, lifetime fitness. Here's a fruit basket. Thank you so much. Continue to promote marketing the DPT because we're all going to benefit from it. And I, like Jimmy said, or Dave, I don't remember who said it, you know, I'm an outpatient orthopedic exercise based therapist. I love seeing them doing the things that they're doing because that's what I want my patients doing anyway. So I, I would look at, I, there's the silver lining. Judo. Judo. I've never practiced judo. You know, you, you, you use your opponent's energy against them, right? I cannot, this, I think I, I benefited because I ran a radio station which grossed $5 million, right? The radio station grossed $5 million a year. And our advertising budget for the radio station was $0. And you're like, what do you mean? And I was taught early in radio, your advertising budget is the fact that you have a six-person staff, a van outside that's always full of gas, and a big antenna on top of your roof that you can say whatever you want and the opportunity for people to hear it. Now... If my competition started to mention me, I would play with it. If I was the little guy, I, of course, would mention the big guy. That's what Lifetime Fitness is doing. They're a $2.6 billion company. But the PT profession as a whole, I'm guessing number-wise, is larger than that. They're the little guy in this situation like because we're divided. Right. So they are the little guy poking Goliath. And you know what we're doing? Exactly what the meeting said they would in Lifetime Fitness. We're doing exactly the playbook. We're like, they're going to get all pissed off because we're going to poke their ego. They poked an emotion. We tried to steal us half a slice of pie and then they're going to come after us and they're going to do, they're going to bang the drum louder than we were. 
right? So if you're the, if you're the big guy, you never mention a little guy ever. You never we, you never punch never punch down. Never punch down. We had radio stations in Poughkeepsie here come online and we were an alt rock station and they would be faceless. They would have, this is back in the nineties. They would just be automated running promos about us taking shots about the station and us by name. And I'm 22 years old going, Oh, I can't wait till I get on the air. I'm going to tear these guys apart. My boss goes, you're going to say nothing. You're never going to mention them by name. You're never even going to innuendo that you ever heard it. And then I realized act like you've been there. Act like you can't, what's that? Never heard of them. Right. This is like the great post-game uh, presser for a football team, right? Uh, so-and-so said this to you about uh, about Tom Brady, Tom, on Twitter. And you never I – I have no idea what you're talking about. That burns them more. We are doing exactly the playbook. If I were in charge of the PT profession, which no one's ever going to be in charge of a profession, we're too fractured. But if I were in charge, I would say our response is do it in private and quiet. But our public response is nothing, nothing. Mm. Sounds good to me. All right. Parting shots today. We got nine minutes left. Parting shot. What do you guys want to leave uh, with the audience today? This oh Valentine's Day. We didn't even mention love at all. Not really a love show. But yeah. what do you guys want to leave with people today? What's your parting shot? Dave. Uh, yeah. I mean, with the clinic exits and the options, I mean, there's plenty of options out there. I think that practice owner is doing at, at least initially some of the right things, reaching out to folks like Tony, kind of getting some ideas out there. Um, what are, what are their options, but there's always options. It doesn't matter again, if you're 500, 750 K in revenue or more, there's always going to be some interest. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's therapists or, or someone else like nearby in another rural, you know, town somewhat nearby, um, or maybe a state away. Uh, but there's options to either sell some of your practice, sell all of it, go find a job or not. Like there's plenty of options and, um, hopefully we gave them a little bit of clarity. I think, I think. I still fall into this trap, which is like, talk about it. Don't, don't keep quiet about it. Like, and you don't, it doesn't mean broadcast it everywhere, but like do sort of what the person did with Tony, which is because there might be an idea that's super simple that you didn't think of that could change your whole outlook. Cause you're like, well, sell or keep it. And it's like, there's 50 other options. I fall into this trap as well. It's like, man, we have access to a lot of information. And I also, I always go to the root of all of it. It's people. Connect with people and just be again. I think we talked about this before when we hit the live stream. We think everybody's paying attention to us and watching our every move. Oh my gosh, I got a spot of mustard on my shirt and everybody's going to notice. The average person doesn't know you're in the room. So talk about it because you're not, there's no, there's not necessarily a spotlight on you. Right. So I think that's great advice, Dave. Uh, Tony, what do you got? Parting shot, never let a good crisis go to waste. I yeah. mean, take advantage of the opportunities, the attention. That's what it brings. It brings attention, and then you can leverage that to achieve the outcome that's best for everybody. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of reiterate and just say judo, right? Like, you know, take take what they're going to give you and use it against them, but don't punch down. I like that. Don't punch. Like, what are we doing? We're punching down. We're giving them credit. Now, now they're legit, right? Because, again, $2.66 billion for lifetime fitness is a big deal. Not compared to all of us. What are we doing? What are we doing? This baffles me. And I was trying to explain this to a student yesterday without trying to sound like I was saying, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. It is, but not this way. And what are we going to do when this battle is over? Because another one's going to come. What are we going to do then? Why yell when they're screaming? So uh, I'll hopefully I'll see some of you guys at CSM. And we will return with our regularly scheduled uh, program, same bat channel, same bat time. Uh, next week, I'll give a little, I'll give a, a quick recap. Maybe I'll do like the, the, the best, uh, I'll look, I'll be able to look out for business stuff. Who's giving away the best pens. Who's giving away <laughs> the best stress balls. They say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Thanks for coming to ours.